Hello, everybody, and welcome to the 16th episode of the MMA MMA show, Matt's Middle Age Mixed Martial Arts Show. I appreciate you joining me here this week, and uh, let's get right into it. Let's talk some MMA. A couple shows this past weekend. One was a UFC fight night, Iaquinta vs. Cowboy. This was UFC on ESPN Plus number 9. For those of you uh, counting at home, this one took place in Ottawa, Ontario, Canada at the Canadian Tire Center. Attendance was 10,960 with a total gate of $807,000. In the main event, uh, Donald Cerrone defeated Al Iaquinta by unanimous decision, 49-45, 49-45, and 49-46. This was a five-round fight, uh, fun fight. For sure, uh, all standing. Um, but Cerrone just got the better of Iaquinta, got a couple knockdowns in, uh, I want to say, two or three rounds. Um, landed a, a timed a couple of short jabs beautifully. Iaquinta was bleeding everywhere, had a big cut across the bridge of his nose, and really just could not match Cerrone on the feet at all. I, I had favored Iaquinta in this fight, thought he would win. Thought Cerrone was uh, getting long in the tooth and um, wouldn't be able to keep up with Iaquinta, and it was actually the opposite. He was just was the better fighter. Yeah, I was very, very surprised by the outcome of this fight. Uh, Cerrone looked great, moving down to 155 for the second time um, since his stint at welterweight. And it, it was a big win, main event win. He looked great. Again, he knocked Iaquinta down a couple times, couldn't finish him, but was clearly uh, the winner and the better fighter here. So it was a big win for Cerrone. Afterwards, he brought his son into the cage. He did a post-fight interview with um, the kid, his wife, maybe fiancé, girlfriend, mother of his son, uh, his grandmother, um, just a, a good win for Cerrone. Felt good for him. He's an older guy. He's been around a long time. Uh, will take fights on short notice. Fight anybody, anytime. Has an exciting style. Um, I, I don't know how you can watch MMA and not be a huge Donald Cerrone fan. The, the dude's awesome. Um, after the fight, he said he would either like a title shot or the Conor McGregor fight. Um, I'm not sure if he'll get either of those. Honestly, if I had to guess, he probably won't. I I don't know what Conor McGregor's situation is going to be or where he's going to end up, but he can pretty much pick his shot. Um, obviously we've got Khabib and Poirier booked for the, the lightweight title fight with Poirier's interim title fight and... Khabib's real lightweight title, I think in September in Abu Dhabi, if memory serves me. Um, you know, uh, a Tony Ferguson fight make, might make sense. Uh, Ferguson was around making some news the last couple of days, which we'll get to in a little bit. Um, there's a lot of guys at lightweight he could fight. He could fight Nate, Nate Diaz. 
Um, obviously, the Conor McGregor fight's fun, but I, I don't know if it makes sense for Conor. Um, you'd rather, if you were Conor, probably fight Nate again or maybe fight uh, the winner of Khabib and Poirier. He can kind of call his shot. So we'll, we'll see how it all pans out. But you'd like to see Cerrone get uh, a big fight after after this win. Iaquinch is a real dude. He was ranked... Um, obviously in the top 10 at lightweight, he's currently ranked number six after this loss, uh, to Cerrone. So he's still number six in the division, uh, went five rounds with Khabib. Iquint is a good, good fighter, and this was a, a good win for Cerrone. So hats off to the Cowboy. In the co-main event at middleweight, we had Derek Brunson defeating Elias Theodoro by a unanimous decision, 29-28, 29-28, and 30-27. Brunson got some takedowns, kind of a boring fight. Shane Burgos defeated Cub Swanson by split decision. Weird scores here. I had Burgos winning. Burgos is a big featherweight. Like He looked a weight division, a weight division and a half bigger than Cub here. Uh, he's a big dude and, and outpointed Swanson basically on the feet um, using his reach and size and power. Um, I'm trying to think any other highlights on the show. It's a lot of names nobody really knows. Uh, Walt Harris got a TKO win in 50 seconds over a guy named Sergei Spivak. Um, you know, there's not a lot of recognizable names. Faraz Sahabi's little brother lost. Macy Chiasen defeated Sarah Moraes by TKO. Um, but yeah, not uh, a super noteworthy show. Bonuses went to Donald Cerrone versus Al Iaquinta for fight of the night. And then performance of the night went to Walt Harris and Macy Chiasen. Um, and that is basically your UFC Ottawa fight night. Review. Donald Cerrone deserves a big fight and a lot of money for it. Uh, we also had a Bellator show in Birmingham, England. I, I don't even know if this aired in the States. I saw some highlights of some of the fights. Uh, Brent Primus defeated Tim Wilde with a go-go plato, which is a very unusual submission. He... Um, I don't know if he got taken down or was knocked down, but Primus was on his back, kind of had guard, then basically did like the, the Undertaker submission. I think it's last rights is what they call that, um, where you kind of drape the guy's, pull the guy's neck over your shin and kind of choke him out that way. It's kind of hard to describe, but a very unusual finish in MMA. You don't see a lot of them. Um, so that was unusual. Wild just looked um, like not at Primus's level to get submitted like that. Um, then Raymond Daniels had a spectacular knockout win against Wilker Barros. Uh, it was a knockout win. Um, crazy finish. Like he did like a spinning back fist and then just hit this dude with a right hand against the cage. Uh, Barros went down and was like flailing around holding his face. I, I don't know if there was a broken orbital or something, but this was a spectacular finish. Um, like you don't see too often. Raymond Daniels is an older, older guy too. I think he's in his late thirties. Um, a karate 
champion, kickboxing champion for, for years. Um, has been pretty successful in that realm, but has only fought MMA a couple times. I, th I think this was his second fight um, in his first in 11 years. So kind of a, a, a weird one, um, but very spectacular finish. If you haven't seen it, I would say go look for it. Um, brutal, brutal finish. Um, other than that, um, again, another show without a lot of name value. Uh, Pedro Carvalho defeated Derek Campos. Fabian Edwards defeated Falco Nito. Both of those were knockout finishes. Um, Fabian Edwards' win was interesting, too. He hit a couple up kicks on Nito and uh, then finished it with punches. So some cool finishes, spectacular finishes, but this wasn't a show anybody saw. Um, but I, I would try and see the highlights of those fights, Primus vs. Wild and Daniels vs. Barros. Um, like finishers of the year sort of contenders, that sort of thing. Uh, UFC 236 numbers are in. It looks like it's doing under 100,000 buys. This was the first show on ESPN Plus that, um, you know, you have to subscribe to ES ESPN Plus monthly for $5 and then buy the pay-per-view for another $60. Bucks. Um, apparently not a lot of people did that. I know people had trouble buying it because you couldn't buy it from the app. You had to go to, like, a computer, I guess, like a desktop computer to buy the show. Um Apparently, UFC's trying to resolve that, and ESPN. I think they were trying to avoid trying to avoid people buying it through like Apple TV because Apple TV gets a cut, um, or Roku or Hulu or whatever. Um, PS4, all, all the different ways you can buy fights traditionally. Um, UFC's trying to get everybody to do it through the app but I, I think that proved to be a failure because a lot of people couldn't figure it out so we will see what happens with this next show UFC 237 this weekend um, 236 was the show with um, the two interim fights Poirier versus Holloway and Adesanya versus Gastelum which isn't huge name value but you would think a show like that would do I don't know, 250 maybe normally on traditional pay-per-view. Um, so under 100,000 is um, a bad number. I mean, they've done under 100,000 for Mighty Mouse pay-per-views. And I want to say there was a couple women title fights that did under 100,000. Amanda Nunes fights that might have done like 80,000. Um, but... I, I, it's not surprising. And the weirdest part of it is the UFC still gets paid if these shows don't do well. Basically, ESPN's given them millions of dollars no matter how well these shows draw. Um, so UFC is still making more money off these shows by going on ESPN Plus than if they had run them on traditional pay-per-view and did double the number. So UFC is making out. ESPN is obviously losing a lot of money on this, but they're trying to grow that ESPN Plus platform, and they're in for it for seven years. So um, hopefully people, for ESPN's sake, hopefully customers, consumers will adapt and 
become more willing to subscribe to ESPN Plus and figure out how the app works and all of that. So there, there's a learning curve for sure. But under a hundred thousand buys for, you know, a, a show with two title fights. Holloway's kind of a star. Poirier's a name. Adesanya's up and coming. Um, there was some name value. Again, this wasn't going to be a blockbuster show either way, but under a hundred thousand shows, there's um, some issues with this transition to the pay-per-views being available on ESPN Plus. Um, it also could affect, you know, like Brock coming back. Brock Lesnar wanted a flat fee for his return to the UFC. I, we don't know what that number is, but if he wanted $10 million bucks, the UFC turned him down. They're getting a lot of money from ESPN and don't feel like they need him. And um, Brock knows that on ESPN+, Plus, his headlining show isn't going to make as much money, and he won't get bonused out as much. So that's part of the reason he asked for the flat fee. In the past, uh, main event fighters, especially in title fights, um, get bonuses based on how many people buy the shows. But those days seem feel like they're coming to an end um, because, again, ESPN's just paying the UFC a, a, a fee for the shows. So um, UFC's not that desperate to get giant buy rates. And fighters who are big stars like Brock Lesnar and Conor McGregor who could um, really leverage the UFC to get, you know, higher pay don't have as much leverage anymore because the UFC isn't as desperate to have those huge buy rates because ESPN's play, paying them so much. So it's sort of a catch-22. It could lead to Conor McGregor being on the shelf even longer because UFC doesn't really feel like they need him and... He's got a lot of money in the bank, and it's not worth him to come back unless, you know, he's getting a eight-figure payday. So uh, it'll be interesting to see how it all all pans out in the end because it's still very early on. We're five months into this ESPN deal, so um, they're going to work it out presumably, but we might not see... I mean, we will probably never see Brock in the cage again, but we might not see Connor in the cage again either because of this. Um, Anthony Rumble Johnson was arrested for an alleged domestic violence incident. Uh, Rumble Johnson, a former UFC fighter, he fought in the UFC 19 times. He fought as a welterweight, middleweight, and light heavyweight. Um, since his retirement, he's somehow involved with a bare-knuckle fighting promotion, uh, I think he sells like medical weed or maybe legal weed wherever he's at. Um, but yeah, he got arrested in Boca Raton. Um, what's that? Mouth of the Rat, Florida over the weekend. Um, it's a weird story because I, I read this. I'm like, oh God, another MMA fighter arrested for domestic violence. Um, but the reports in the, Obviously, this is conjecture on, conjecture on my part. I don't know. But it doesn't sound that bad. Like, there's no visible injuries to his girlfriend who reported this assault. Um, here in the article on MMA Fighting, it says, Johnson reportedly became physical with his girlfriend following an argument, though police noted in their report that the alleged victim did not have any visible injuries. 
per criminal probable cause affidavit, Johnson is being charged with one count of battery, domestic battery. Um, the affidavit, affidavit describes the incident as occurring after Johnson went to his girlfriend's apartment to discuss an issue. After the alleged victim started to pack Johnson's belongings, he picked her up in a football hold and carried her into another room. She stated that she was scared due to his size and martial arts experience, which is understandable. Johnson is a very large individual, has even gotten larger since his retirement from MMA. Last I saw him, he was like jacked, lifting weights, looked like about 250 pounds. And when he was a fighter, he was one of the most powerful knockout fighters in the world. Like he knocked dudes out cold repeatedly. He was scary for an MMA fighter. I probably wouldn't feel safe if he picked me up and threw me over his shoulder either. Um, but apparently the woman called 911 from that point and that was it. That was the incident. Um, usually you hear domestic battery, you think, you know, a guy putting a beating on a woman, but this didn't sound um, to be that sort of thing. So... I don't know what the story is. Uh, according to Johnson's account in the affidavit, he corroborated the account that they were having a discussion that escalated into an argument, though he claimed that it was his girlfriend who continued to argue with him as he began to pack his own belongings. Johnson asked her several times to leave him alone and stop talking to him. Johnson admitted to picking up his girlfriend and taking her to another room, but claims it was to move her away and that he was not trying to hurt her, but he wanted her to stop arguing with him. So there you go. Um, that is what I would call probably a minor scuffle. Um, we'll see what happens. Talked about Tony Ferguson briefly earlier. He apparently met his with Dana White over the past weekend about getting back into fighting. He has been on a hiatus. He had a uh, domestic abuse charge levied against him. I, his wife filed a restraining order. And it sounded like he got real weird. Like he, he kidnapped the son for a few days and didn't come back and um, thought he heard things in the walls when there was nothing in the walls. Like, some sketchy, scary, um, I want to say dysphoria, but like mental issues. He, he did not sound well from uh, everything that I read. Um, but on Sunday night, Ferguson tweeted that he'd arrived in Las Vegas for a business meeting. Early Monday morning, Ariel Hawani confirmed that Ferguson, along with new management team Balanji Group, was set to discuss his future with the UFC Brass. By the end of the business day on Monday, Ferguson sent a clear message to his Twitter followers. I'm back, MFs. Champ shit only. Red Alcamoto reported Tony Ferguson's new management group met with UFC Brass. I'm told the meeting went well. No fight agreed upon yet, but it's possible things move quite fast from here. Tony is excited to fight. UFC is excited to have him back. So that's good news. Hopefully he's... Um, you know, got his shit together, and um, Dana White said Ferguson's, Ferguson's return to the cage would be contingent on UFC doctors evaluating him. No word on if that has or will happen, um, and that's based on Ferguson's wife and the restraining order and all that stuff. So um, 
Ferguson's got 11 straight wins at lightweight, um, was an interim champ, and deserves a title shot more than anybody, more than Poirier, more than Cerrone, more than Conor McGregor. He deserves a lightweight title shot. He's won 11 fights in a row in the division. That's insane. He's 35. He's not getting any younger. Get that man his title shot. If he really wants to fight, you know Cowboy will fight him. That'd be a great fight. Number one contender fight. Winner of that could fight. Uh, Khabib, uh, Poirier winner. That would make sense. Um, obviously, that, that leaves Connor out, but who knows what he's up to. Um, maybe put Cowboy and Ferguson on the undercard below Poirier and Khabib. That way, if something happens to Poirier or Khabib, one of those other guys could step in, Ferguson or, or Cerrone. That's probably what I would do, but what do I know? I'm just a guy sitting in his bedroom talking to himself. Uh, Jordan Burroughs and Ben Askren had a um, like exhibition wrestling match at Madison Square Garden. Um, Burroughs destroyed Askren. This was expected. Burroughs is a two-time collegiate champ and 2016 Olympic gold medalist in freestyle wrestling. Absolute freak. He's five years younger than Askren um, and has been more active in wrestling better guys. Askren hasn't wrestled competitively in about a decade. So um, Burroughs just took him down, slammed him. It like wasn't wasn't close at all um afterwards dana white said he'd love to see jordan burroughs fight in the ufc uh burroughs has said he'd like to try mma at least once uh it's kind of like a bucket list thing for him i guess at certain times he says it was too violent and he wasn't interested but um it'd be interesting to see him come in you wonder who they'd have him fight um, because it's always weird. Even when you're that good a wrestler, usually you can, you know, get a takedown and kind of just stay on top and maintain position and um, stay out of danger. But you gotta wonder who who the UFC could match him up with. It's very unusual for them to bring in O and O fighters. Uh, I mean, even Brock Lesnar at least had one fight under his belt when he came into the UFC. Um. So I don't know. It, it, Burrow, a Burroughs fight would interest me just because he's such a legendary amateur wrestler. Like He's a gold medalist and a two-time national champ. He's went undefeated for years. He's the real deal as a wrestler, one of the best in the world. So um, I'd like to see him in the UFC for one fight, just for the freak show value of it. Uh, another former wrestler, not at Jordan Burroughs wrestlers, Tito Ortiz. Uh, Ortiz has unretired and signed with Combate Americas. Uh, he's signed a multi-fight deal. He's expected to debut in the fall, though his opponent isn't finalized. Um, Tito's interesting. He did that Oscar De La Hoya card, um, Golden Boy and beat the crap out of Chuck Liddell. It wasn't even close. He destroyed Liddell. Um, looked good in doing it, but Liddell's obviously old and shot and shouldn't be fighting. 
Uh, one rumored fight I saw was against Alberto Del Rio, the, the pro wrestler, who has done MMA in the past, but you're talking 15 years ago, I believe, was Alberto Del Rio's last fight. Um, you know, at one point, Ortiz was saying he wanted to fight again for Golden Boy, but it doesn't look like Golden Boy's ever going to do another show. I think they lost a boatload of money on the Liddell-Ortiz fight. So... I don't know. It's weird. But if Ortiz is looking to get paid and Combate Americas is looking for somewhat of a name, um, they'll get more press than if they didn't have Ortiz. Um, or maybe, you know, you put him in some freak show fights against Alberto Del Rio and I don't know who else he can fight, but um, maybe some old light heavyweights. I don't know. I don't know. What's Randy Couture doing? But yeah, Tito's back. At least we get to look forward to his interviews. Those are always amusing. In other upcoming fight news, we have Yoel Romero versus Paulo Costa, rebooked for UFC 244, 241. I'm sorry. I believe this is the fourth time this fight has been booked. Um, one of the guys has either got injured or suspended for drugs or... God only knows, visa issues, all sorts of stuff has canceled this fight. So this one's um, verbally agreed to for UFC 241. That's August 17th at the Honda Center in California. Um, yeah, so the fight was previously booked for November 2018, January 2019, and April 2019. Um, Costa was removed from the the most recent show because of his anti-doping case that he blamed on stomach medicine. Uh, then he narked on his uh, fellow fighters and got his suspension reduced from two years to six months. Um, it's an interesting fight, I guess. Like I've never really been impressed with uh, Costa Porcinia. Um I think Yoel, unless he's gotten really old suddenly, kind of destroys Costa everywhere. Um, but you never know. Costa could clip him. He's younger. Um, he's a strong guy, but he's not as polished. He doesn't have the ground game. He's not as athletic. Romero's 40, I think. He might even be 41 now, but he's a freak of nature. Um, I think he kind of destroys Costa. But, again... Time, age is always an equalizer in all sports, especially MMA. Losing a step in cage fighting is not um, a good thing. We also have a headliner for UFC Greenville. It's going to be Hanato Moicano versus the Korean zombie Chan Sung Young on June 22nd, Greenville, North Carolina. Um, do we have anything else for that card? Not yet. Did I say North Carolina? I think it's South Carolina. Greenville. I might be thinking of... I'm thinking of Greensboro. Greensboro? Is that Ric Flair country? North Carolina? Greensboro Coliseum sounds weirdly familiar. So anyway, Greenville looks like it's in South Carolina. And it doesn't look like they've got anything else announced for that card yet. From what I can tell. But we do have a main event. Moicano versus Korean Zombie, featherweight. Two, um, you know, top ten guys at featherweight. 
Korean Zombie almost always has exciting fights. I think his last fight was against Yair Rodriguez, where it went five rounds. I had Korean Zombie win it, and then Yair, with like literally one second left, hit that crazy elbow where it was bent over and just drilled Zombie in the chin, and Zombie went out. Lights out. This weekend, uh, we have a Bellator show and a UFC show. It's Bellator 221 on May 11th, which would be, what's Saturday? Saturday night at uh, the Allstate Arena in Rosemont, Illinois. Uh, This one appears to be strictly on DAZN. In the main event, we've got Michael Chandler defending the Bellator Lightweight Championship against Patricio Pitbull Frere. Um... (laughs) The one thing I saw about this is uh, Patricio here says he's going to win the title and then fight Canelo Alvarez in a boxing match on DAZN next. I don't see that happening. That sounds crazy and possibly the biggest mismatch of all time in any sport ever. Like, holy hell, one of the Pitbull brothers is going to box Canelo. Get the... F out of here with that. Um, That's like the ultimate freak show fight if there's ever been one. Um, And I can't see that happening in a million years. And I don't think Pitbull beats Michael Chandler anyway. So there you go. Uh, Also, former welterweight champ Douglas Lima versus Michael Venom Page. That is a semifinal fight in the welterweight Grand Prix tournament. Um, will be interesting because Lima generally likes to strike and Page is, you know, known for his striking, his kickboxing. But if Lima wants to take this to the ground, I think it's going to be a rough night for MVP. Um, If it stays standing, it could be interesting. But I feel like a lot of MVP fights end up being dull and kind of disappointments. But um, we'll see what happens. We also have AJ McKee versus Pat Curran and Jake Hager also known as um, Jack Swagger from WWE, former WWE champ, uh, fights his second pro MMA fight against a guy named TJ Jones, who does not have a Wikipedia page, and I know nothing about. But uh, Jack Swagger, we the people, is back for his second MMA fight ever, this time in Rosemont, Illinois, on Saturday night on The Zone. We also have UFC 237 coming at you on Saturday night, May 11th, from Rio de Janeiro, Brazil. This is actually a pretty solid card. It's a weird card in a lot of ways, but in the main event, we've got women's strawweight champion Rose Namajunas, Thug Rose, defending her title against Jessica Andrade. Uh, interesting fight, Andrade is known for like her knockout power. There's not a lot of women fighters at strawweight um, who hit as hard as she does. She's 27, coming off three straight wins against good fighters in Claudia Gadela, Tisha Torres, and Karolina Kowalkiewicz. The Kowalkiewicz knockout win was brutal. Like You don't see knockouts like that at women's flyweight. Um, but she knocked Kowalkiewicz out... Um, like, you almost never see <laughs> at women's flyweight. Like, it's worth going out of your way to see that knockout uh, alone. And she's, I mean, she's 6-1 and one in her last seven. Her only loss is to Joanna in a title fight that won five rounds. <laughs> so, Andrade hits hard, 
harder than any other 115 pound woman in the world and she could clip Rose but I feel like Rose is just at another level granted if she gets hit she's going to have problems but um, after those wins over Joanna I just think Rose is confident she's a good striker she's going to be able to stay away from Andrade light her up from the outside um, I think she's just the quicker better striker and she just seems in the zone granted all my picks recently have been wrong but i am picking rose nama Yunus by unanimous decision i think this goes five uh in the co-main event we have anderson silva back again this time he's fighting at middleweight against a guy named jared cannonier silva's 44 now this is getting kind of sad at this point Silva is now one five and one in his last seven. Lost to Chris Weidman. Lost to Chris Weidman. Beat Nick Diaz, but that was overturned because he was uh, taking Thai sex pills, which had performance-enhancing drugs in them. Uh, lost to Bisbing. Lost to Cormier. Barely beat Derek Brunson, then lost to Israel Adesanya back in February. So this is a quick turnaround for Silva. It's only three months. Um, he probably should retire. Uh, obviously, he's 44 and only has one win against Derek Brunson in the last... I didn't even look. When was the last time he had a win besides Brunson? Let's see. His last win was against Stefan Bonner back in 2012, if you don't count the Brunson win. That's seven years ago. And it's Stefan Bonner. <laughs> you know? Shit. Um, Jerry Cannonier's a good fighter. I wouldn't be surprised if Cannonier beat him. Cannonier's 35, has fought all the way up to heavyweight in the UFC and is now getting down to 185. He beat David Branch by TKO and looked really good in his middleweight debut. But it's just sad to see Anderson Silva at this point fighting a guy nobody's ever heard of. Granted, it's in Brazil. Maybe UFC's trying to build up Cannoneer. Maybe they're trying to get Silva a win. I don't know what the idea is with this one. But it's just kind of sad to see Silva. You'd like to see him fight in bigger names if he's still going to fight at all. Um, I picked Jared Cannon here by knockout. There you go. Uh, at featherweight, we have Jose Aldo, one of the greatest featherweights of all time. Uh, back again. He's another guy who's looked a little older, longer in the tooth. But he is coming off, I believe, two straight wins. Let's confirm that. Yeah, he uh, beat Hanato Maikano and Jeremy Stevens, both by TKO. So um, he's coming off two straight wins. Before that, he had the Max Holloway losses, which were tough, tough losses. He took beatings in both of those. Uh, on Saturday, he's going to fight Alexander Volkanovsky, who is from Australia, 30 years old, and 19-1 and overall. He's coming off a knockout win over Chad Mendez. Um, he's got wins over Darren Elkins. Um, he's looked really good. Um, he is 5-0 in the UFC. 
is ranked in, I want to say, fourth in the featherweight rankings. Um, this is obviously his toughest fight today. Aldo's still no joke, but he's not the Aldo, you know, from five, six years ago either. So, again, another fight where it's like, what what is the UFC trying to do? Are they trying to get Aldo a big win, get him back into title contention? Are they trying to build up Volkanovski? It's, it's hard to say. Both of these fights could go either way. It's like... You've got two legends fighting two younger guys without much name value, but tough fighters. Like the bo- the booking is odd because usually you would give your legends, especially in their home country of Brazil, like more winnable fights or go against bigger names with more, um, you know, box office appeal. But you know, sometimes scheduling and available fighters all often dictate who guys end up fighting. We've also got Tiago Alves versus Loriana Steropoli and Francisco Trinaldo versus Carlos Diego Fajaya, uh, rounding out the main card on ESPN+. Plus. Prelims are on regular ESPN in the main event of the prelims. We've got Little Nog versus Ryan Spann. Um, then opening the prelims, BJ Penn versus Clay Guida, which is so weird. Like, literally 10 years ago, Clay Guida was probably close to, like, a title shot against BJ Penn at lightweight. And now it's like they're opening the prelims, and Clay Guida's, like, the heavy favorite. Like, it's not even close. He's probably going to destroy BJ, and it's going to be sad. And I I've, I was writing four years ago that BJ Penn should be retired, and now it's like he's still fighting. It might even be more than four years ago. I can't even remember, but he's lost his last six fights. Heel hook, majority decision, TKO, TKO, unanimous decision, unanimous decision. It's bad. His last win was against Matt Hughes in 2010. That was nine years ago. 2010. Come on. Matt Hughes was old and washed up then. His last real win was Diego Sanchez in December of 09. He needs to retire. Way more than Anderson Silva. Way more than Jose Aldo. He hasn't even looked competitive in a long time against good fighters. It's it's a sad one. Um, the early prelims are on UFC Fight Pass if you're interested. Worley Alves is on the prelims. Um and again, not a lot of name value. I'll bet you is fighting on, on the prelims on ESPN against Irene Aldana at women's bantamweight. Betch once fought Ronda Rousey in Brazil and did 900,000 buys. It seems like a lifetime ago. Um, but yeah, Betch is back. Uh, lastly, uh, in a non-MMA-related story, um, Kentucky Derby was this past weekend, very controversial, uh, decision. Uh, the horse that won the race ended up getting disqualified because it was in, it didn't stay in its lane apparently. Um, I didn't even know that was a thing until this weekend. Uh, so another horse won, uh, but I don't even want to talk about that. Apparently you can buy Kentucky Derby winners poop for $200 a churd. Uh, former champ Silver Charm, the 1997 Kentucky Derby champion, uh, is still alive. 
which is interesting uh, in and of itself. But if you want, you can buy Silver Charm's poop for $200. It comes from a company called Kentucky for Kentucky. Um, this shit has been on sale since May 1st. Uh, the advertisement says introducing Derby turds, the first in a Dixieland preserves line of bizarre Southern resin encapsulations by Kentucky artist Coleman Larkin. 97 Derby winner who is retired from stud duty lives now at old friends farm in Georgetown and sales of the poo will benefit the thoroughbred retirement facility. Supplies are limited. Okay. First of all, horses must shit every day. Why are supplies limited? Like, are that many people paying $200 for a jar of turds that they're, they're flying through this shit? There, there's no way, first of all. Second of all, what do you do with it? Like, is that something you brag about? Like, you put, I don't know, where where do people put their, their knickknacks? On their mantle? You put it on like a, a a side table in your house. You have a shelf just full of turds. Um, I mean, it reminds me of the lady from Maine who does turdy works. Um, she collects like moose droppings, makes little figurines out of them. They dry out and she makes figurines and like she's got a, a clock. Um, and she has a lot of like gimmicky catchphrases that I enjoy. I like turdy works, but I would never buy it. I, I don't want animal turds in my house. Um, I just can't imagine. Um, so the guy who is pushing Silver Charms turds on people, um, his name is Larkin. He said, the turds, apparently it's a process, he says. <coughs> Excuse me. It's a very long, very ridiculous procedure. The most difficult step is probably the one where I have to ask the type of people that own million dollar, million dollar thoroughbreds if I can please have some horse turds to put in jars. So apparently this guy's been going around asking the owners of these horses who, like, if you own a horse in the Kentucky Derby, you're like a multimillionaire. This is like a crazy business. Um, where you find really small men to like beat the crap out of horses and go around a racetrack on them. Um, but apparently there's enough people out there that want horse turds for $200. Like there's some people with some expendable income out there. You know, I don't want, I don't even want to spend 200 bucks to get my car fixed. There's people buying horse turds and keeping them in a jar. It's really, really odd. On that note, that's all I have this week. Um, I appreciate you tuning in. Um, shout out to Ben folks who, uh, retweeted, um, something, uh, some meme, the MMA, MMA show one put out on Twitter. Uh, he's a writer for USA today. He found our meme amusing, which was good. Got some likes out there. There's an Instagram page, MMA, MMA Show. There's also the Twitter account, MMA, MMA Show 1. Please check those out and um, keep listening to the MMA, MMA Show. Subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts. You can listen on Google Podcasts. We're also on Spotify. 
You can really find the show anywhere that you listen to podcasts or musics. Musics. <laughs> Solid close to the show. Thank you again, MMA, MMA show, Matt's middle-aged mixed martial arts show. We will catch you next week. Bye-bye.